We all have them. We all talk about them. But only two men have decided to make a podcast about their weekends. If you have a good Saturday, what do you do? Anything good? Um, I went to... We didn't do much in the day. Two best mates. The issues are with the treatments and where researchers might... I mean, this is boring chatting at this. In an uncut chat about their weekends. I actually felt disappointed because I ordered a rubber seal for the oven door and it didn't turn up. Starring Tim and Gendel. Dad's getting pizza. And we're like, <laughs> big, big dad on campus. Hey, I didn't click my fingers and go... Mm. You did. <laughs> did you mean, hey, kids... Dad's getting pizza. Tim and Gen's weekend podcast. Anything could happen. So that's the trailer for the podcast. Yeah. What do you think? American voice, explosions, you know, do you, do you not think it's horrifically over the top? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's perfect. Cool, cool. It's done then. Welcome to Mixtapes with Mike the podcast where I invite a guest to make us a mixtape of 10 tracks without using the same artist twice. We're going to talk about the music and what it means to them, and if you like the sound of what you hear, you can listen to the mixtape in full on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. So if you're the kind of person who'd like a new mixtape to land in your lap every Monday, please consider subscribing, and it would mean the world to me if you would leave a positive review on whatever platform you're listening on. Now, if you've listened before, you've heard me say on numerous occasions that skateboarding has directly influenced my musical taste. And I'm not going to stop saying that. But the reason I bring it up now is that I want you to understand that skateboarding has been a massive part of my life and will continue to be. And it's for that reason that this week's guest is a bit of a big deal for me. He's an artist whose work has been part of the skateboarding landscape for as long as I can remember. And as well as collaborating with and working for some of the biggest brands in the industry, he also runs his own company, Heroin Skateboards, with the primary function of preserving a sense of fun. This week's guest is artist, skateboarder and brand owner, Mark Foz Foster. How are we doing? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming on. I don't know if I've ever been so excited to see a playlist written down on paper because <laughs> because I I I sort of I messaged you with a with a silly joke uh about Chris Pullman's new board because uh Chris Pullman who was formerly rode for your brand heroin yeah. skateboards has come back on board because he's had a bit of a renaissance of late yes um and his 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 appearance over the last year has been, uh, I don't know, like a, like slightly dad influenced. I would say, hundred percent, yeah. With, with, with the with the hair and the facial hair and and I think what comes across in all of the footage that's come out over the last year or so, he's he's really got a sense of fun back about skateboarding. Yeah, and I contacted you when you released this new board and said. It, the name should have been Shred Flanders. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm proud of that joke. I'm very proud it's of that joke. One. It's a good um, one. Yeah. <clears throat> so 
And while, while, I, while I had you, I mentioned that you'd been on my friend's podcast, uh, Skateboarder and, hosted by Matt Lloyd. Yep. He's, he's also a previous guest. He's actually done two episodes of this. And I asked if you would be up for coming on board. And you were like, yeah, I like music. Let's do it. And then you sent me your playlist about 40 seconds later. Yeah. But it was it was written, handwritten on paper in, uh, I don't know, your handwriting is almost like a font in itself because it's so synonymous with skateboard, especially here in the UK. So yeah. I just it, it just made me happy to see the, the playlist written in that way it's very, it's odd very odd but but yeah i was I'm, i was excited very good well i'm glad to uh i'm glad you did it I mean, it's like it's funny because i'm i'm still very much analog i'm still very much like pen and paper um and a lot of people have moved on and like they do their artwork on the um on the computer and have these tablets and things like that and that will probably make my life a lot easier you know i've got like stacks of paper i just did a job for a thrasher thing and um i've got stacks of like paper that i redrew this this image on and i was like trying to get it right and redraws a light box and more stuff and like pen everywhere and and that's really how i work very much like lots lots of pen and paper stuff and have you ever tried to like learn any kind of digital kind of art techniques or? No, I, I mean, I do take stuff into Photoshop and then, you know, I play around with it in Photoshop and it's, but it's just like for, for this project, I was like, right, I can draw it in black and white like I normally do. I can bring it over into Photoshop and I'll color it in that. And it just wasn't how I wanted it to look. It just wasn't getting there for me. So, um, I took it all back to like, right, I'm gonna pen it and then I'm gonna watercolor it. And I just, I watercolored them and I was like, okay, here we are. And I'm happy with them. And I, I really didn't have to do very much. Once I'd finished the final images, I really didn't have to do very much in Photoshop, you know, to them. Amazing. Well, I see, I think, I think a lot of people appreciate your approach to things because it looks a lot more authentic as a result. Yeah. There's, I mean, <clears throat> weirdly, there's a there's a lot of people who go out of their way to make things look handmade, right? With digital tools, when they yeah. could just have a go at doing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I know I'm 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 really into the, your approach and and everything you do. Like I was literally rewatching bits of life from Antarctica before we jumped on. <laughs> I love that. I love that, like, a video that I made in, like, 2005 is still getting sort of plays, you know, like, 16 years later. Well, you know what? Like, I mean, I'm I'm, per I'm perhaps sort of signposting something here, but one of your tracks that you picked yes. for your mixtape, I was just like, I recognise this. Where do I recognise this? And quite often someone will pick something, and I think it's been used in a skate section. Yep. And I was just like, no... No, I think I know. I think I know where I know this, so I had to rewatch it to to make uh, sure. Really so yeah, you were right. You were right. That video, it's got a really good sense of fun about it because the the music really suits the the attitude of everyone's section, uh, like your section in particular, but also um, the the dagger section towards the end. Yeah, like that's super super fun music to suit their style of skateboarding. I you know. You, you really hit the nail on the head there because it's like I, I I always found skateboarding to be fun and I really wanted to 
I, w- I want to express that in, in everything that we do, in the videos and the graphics and everything. It should be fun and accessible, you know, and make you want to go and skate and, and like introduce you to good music. It's there's so much to it. Um, and it's just, it, it's like I've, I've had team riders and they're like stressing about doing a trick. And it's just like, it just brings the whole session down. And it's just like, you're not, I mean, we've all gone through it. You know, I've, I've gone through it myself, but it's just like, that's not how it's supposed to be really. You know, like screaming at your board for like three hours. It's just, I don't want that. You know, I want, I want people who are visually having fun, like Chris Pullman and Dead Dave and like all these people. And, and like, if we can get that across, as a as a brand, then then that's that's all I ever want to do. Make skateboarding look fun, you know. And you definitely succeed in that. Uh, Thank you. It's it's um, it's a good sign when it's a video that you'll happily put on pre-session to kind of get you. And I think everyone's got those videos. You know, yeah. there's, there's probably a handful of them that are in heavy rotation for for that kind of inspiration. But like Life from Antarctica has always been in the mix for me. So, yeah. Uh, no, I was excited. So like. Bearing in mind the kind of musical curation that kind of goes into putting a team video together, did you take a similar approach in putting your playlist together, or is it, or was it, did did the direction come from somewhere? Um, Well, like you said, it took about forty seconds. I knew I knew very very clearly like what songs I wanted to play. You were like ten songs. I was like, well, yep, there they are. Yeah, like they were on the top of my head. I was like, okay, and then there was just one. I left sort of room for one, and that took me like a week to figure out which one to play, but I, I got it in the end. Superb. All right, so who's your first track by? Uh, it's by Woo Life. Now, this is a band I don't know that much about. I remember talking to a friend of mine, Josh. He came around for dinner with his with his wife, and we, were, we always start talking about music. He's a really engaging person to talk to, like, I, I think he, I think if he had a podcast, his podcast would be really entertaining because he's so animated about music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, so that's what you're listening to. He's like, I really like this album by Woo Life. Oh, it's incredible. Like, I've never heard of them. And I, remember, I listened to a little bit of it at the time and it didn't quite grab me straight away. And I think to some degree that album's a bit of a grower because I think over time you appreciate how much depth there is to it. Yeah, well, if you are like me and you've listened to it over 500 times according to your iTunes, then, <laughs> you know, that's when it really starts to grow on you. I was reading about them today and I just assumed that they carried on from that point when I was first introduced right. to them. But when I was reading today, I was just like, oh, right, no, no, there's, there's, there's one album and they yeah. were a bit of a mystery and people are pining for them now. Okay, one album, didn't do interviews, Came out of nowhere, right? And the funny thing is, um, here's how I got introduced to them, right? Someone was like, oh, there's this band and they skate and, you know, they're from Manchester and, and all this. And I was like, really? Like, okay, like, who are they? And they were like, oh, like, what are you doing this afternoon? I was in Manchester for whatever reason. I was at my mum's <coughs> house, Rosendale. And, um, Someone was like, oh, there's this, there's this concert this afternoon or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll come. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm down for that. I'm not doing anything. I was sitting on the sofa watching a Western. Um, my friend's like, oh, I'll come pick you up and we'll go. I was like, okay. 
And then he was like, oh, I don't know if we can get in. Um, like, you know, it's sold out. And I was like, well, doesn't the guy skate? Like, we we should be able to get in, you know, if like if if like they skate or whatever. Like we know, you know, we know enough people. Um, and he's like, yeah, I feel kind of weird about asking. I was like, oh, just give me the phone or whatever. And I was like, hey, this is fast, whatever. You know, I run this company. Like, I think we can get into this show. And he was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've had so many of your boards or whatever. And I was like, okay, cool. I got to meet the guy at the um, at the show. Um, he, he was like, here's your pass list. Here's your guest pass or whatever, you know, backstage and all this. It's really great to meet you. I've met you before, actually. I was like, oh yeah, what's that? And he was like, well, you were skating when you were filming for Life from Antarctica. Yes. Right, you, you were filming in Berry, um, and you were skating Triangle Park. And I was like, huh, must have been about, must have been about five years ago. Like, no, must have been more. It must have been about eight years ago. He was like, yeah. I was like, well, you must have been about 12. He was like, I was 12. And I, I was like, wait, you were that kid with the broom? And he was like, yes! Like, and I'd met him as a tiny little kid in in skating in Berry, uh, the town I was born in. And he was like, sweet. He couldn't afford the whole broom. He just had the broom head. And he was sweeping up the rocks to try and skate these banks. So I was like, yeah, that, it was so funny. Like, I met him as a little tiny kid. And I was talking to him, and then I met him. I think the day after we were at some other thing, and he was he was there. And then, and then, like years later, it was like he's headlining this festival, and put us on the put me on the the list. And then we're like chatting it up. And then um, it I I ended up going seeing them in London, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and then uh, Coachella. I went to see them at Coachella. They put me on the list for Coachella. Jesus. And we, became friends and he was like i've had so many of your boards like i'm so like it's seriously like i'm a fan i was just like no way like and that show was just absolutely amazing and i was like right these guys are the real deal like it's really incredible like music what they what they're playing so what is it about this track in particular um this track is the one that kind of sums up what they the the genre of music that they are um, it was it was funny because like people are like oh what kind of music is it and I was like dude you just gotta listen it's it almost defies genres there's there's elements that sound ish like other bands but not and it doesn't sound like anything else you've ever heard that's why your friend the musician guy like really vibed on this album because it was totally original it sounded like nothing else really and a lot of like the people who support this band are musicians like there are other musicians they're like it you know there's elements of all these other bands off my playlist in there but they've come up with this very original unique sound okay so this is this is woo life heavy pop So moving on from Woo Life, who are we listening yeah. to now? Um, another Manchester band. Uh, grew, you know, grew up in uh, 
grew up in the outskirts of Manchester and I used to go there quite a lot. Um, and the story behind this one's pretty funny because I was like 16 and at college and then this band was really blowing up, um, the Stone Roses, mm -hmm. right? So I was like this 15, 16-year-old kid and I was just like, I like Black Flag, Bad Brains, The Misfits, you know, Minor Threat. I was all about those bands. Um, and then everybody was coming in and everybody had Stone Roses t-shirts on and like, oh, I went to see the Roses at the weekend. And I was just like, ah, that's, you're, you're not even into them. You're just, that's just some trendy shit. Like, what are you talking about? I'm into like this. And I was so kind of stubborn about it and, and kind of a dick as a little kid. I was just like, yeah, no, you're just a bunch of posers. You're all into this one band, whatever. And then, um, so I, I really didn't even give them the time of day, to be honest. I was I was like, nah, I'm into I'm into like punk rock stuff. I'm into bad brains, you know. And then um, I was in this record shop one day, like years later. Like I was about I, I don't know twenty or I don't know twenty two or something. I was in uh, Eastern Block Records in Manchester, and I was like, fuck. I was like, this is the Stone Roses, isn't it? And they were like, yeah. I was like, it's really good. <laughs> I was like so begrudging, you know, I was just like, ah, oh, man, they weren't just like some flash in the pan band. They were like, it was a really, really beautiful thing that they created and it was really like precious. And I kind of, I kind of missed out on, on that because I was just like, no, I'm into punk rock. Yeah, I think it's easily done with music TV shows and film where if so many people are raving about it it can create a resistance to to, to go with the crowd kind of thing um, like we we resisted watching Breaking Bad for the longest time we were really behind the curve um, yeah. but sometimes you, you kind of need to trust the mob and, and go with it um, yeah there is a reason for, for this you know the, the hype or whatever Okay, so this track is? This track is uh, the one that I heard in uh, Eastern Block Records. It's uh, Waterfall. She's a So that's the Stone Roses. Who's up next? Uh, okay, next. Um, I actually wanted to use this song for my um, for my life from Antarctica part. Um, it's my favourite song by Tom Waits, uh, or one of them. There's so many. I mean, with Tom Waits, it's like you've got a whole treasure chest of, of songs and records and, and work for you know decades and decades. So. But this is the one that, you know, I always want to dance to my wife to, when it, with my wife to, when it comes on the radio, you know? Um, um, and uh, yeah, I wanted to use it for my Life in Antarctica part, and then I got vetoed on it, you know? It's it's my company, but I, um, you know, I listened to the people that I work with, and my uh, editor was like, no, we got to use something quicker for you, you know? It's, it's not going to work. Um, so I trusted him and went with him, and he he made a good call on it. Well, I mean, there is a sort of, there's quite a frenetic kind of pace to a lot of the footage 
from you in that video. So I kind of get what what he's saying. Sure. Like, like, I'm... Every time I hear Tom Waits, I always enjoy it. But I I get a little bit overwhelmed by the body of work in that Mm. I don't don't know where to start to get into him. Yeah, this is understandable. It's funny, actually, because, um, you know, you being from Scotland, um, John Rattray, I think, said the same thing to me and was like, I don't know where to start. And I was like, here's a compact disc. And it was um, it was uh, Mule Variations. Okay. And I never really liked the first track on Mule Variations. So I took the first track off. Like it's uh, big in Japan. And I thought okay. that was, I thought that was kind of a misleading representation of his work. So he got everything else on that record, but he never heard that big in Japan song until years later. We had a conversation about it. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really think that was the first Tom Waits song that you needed to hear. So, uh, you know, there you, you go. You, you curated it for him. I curated you, it, yeah. You, oh, you've made me kind of happy that me and John Rattray had a similar thought. Because uh, yeah. like, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a skateboarder that obviously, you know, you, you hold in quite high esteem. He's the only Scottish yeah. skater that I know of that had a signature shoe. Yeah, um, yeah. I interviewed him for a, a short-lived online mag that a friend of mine did. Um in the early noughties when he was a, a demo in Plymouth and he was really uh, amicable and sort of get, he was really generous with his time and oh, he's great. it's one of those things where like you meet one of your heroes and he's a good guy yeah 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 yeah. He, I, I've had him on I used to do a little radio show out of uh, LA and um, he came on that and he's one of my favourite guests and people were like who's your favourite guest that you had on I was like John Rattray and then there was a couple of other people, but then I was like, no, nah, it pretty much comes back to the Rattray thing, you know? And me and him actually got to see Tom Waits in Edinburgh. Amazing. In wow. That's yeah. a, it's a great city to see someone like Tom Waits, I would imagine. Oh, it's fantastic. How about this? It was on the Saturday. No, it was the, we got there on the Friday. It was, it was funny because um, Tom Waits tickets went on sale. And I was like, I was in London, and I was like, Tom Waits tickets go on sale, nine o'clock tomorrow. I was up, I, w- I had my phone, I had two computers open, laptop and desktop, and I was like trying to buy tickets on all these things. Finally got like, got tickets in this portal, and I was like, okay, great, I got tickets. Tickets were £100 each. Flights to Scotland were £100 each. Hotel for two nights, £100 each. You know, and it was me and my girlfriend at the time, and it, that was like, it's 600 600 quid that was my holiday that year mm-hmm. um but we got to scotland um we we went to see the dark night um with the, the heath ledger one on mm-hmm. friday night and then we got to see tom waits on the saturday night and yeah that movie kind of suits his kind of demeanor in a big way right. yeah doesn't it? it it's like and then you you see that and then you're like wait and then you get to see tom waits and you're like wait heath ledger took parts of tom waits for this role oh like, absolutely really, really did 100 percent. you're just like whoa okay and if you watch the old tom waits interviews there's there's elements of it it's it's really weird and creepy amazing okay so this track is this track is jockey full of bourbon. Yeah. 
Now, I don't know if this is a compliment or not about this track, but when I heard it today, bearing in mind I've got very limited knowledge of Tom Waits, I was right. just like, this track must have influenced the theme tune for Black Books. Have you ever seen it? I used to love Black Books, but the theme tune is eluding me right now. But it's, maybe because Bill Barnes and oh, is that his name? What's the music? What's the guy called? The uh, uh, the guy from that. It, there's um, Bill Bailey's in it, that's and him. and but the main character was played by Dylan Moran. Right, but it was like Bill Bailey is a musician, mm-hmm. so I'm saying that he probably had something to do with the. Uh, the, the song for that. Oh, that'd be interesting to know. Right. Oh, I'm going to have to dig, it, dig into that. Yeah. All right, so moving on from Tom Waits, who are yes. we listening to now? Oh, one of my faves. They're all my faves. Nick Cave. Now, you've picked a live version of this track. Mm. And Nick Cave is exactly the same scenario as Tom Waits in that there's such a body of weight I wouldn't necessarily know where to start I've said it to previous guests when they've yeah. when they've picked him and I listened to this track because you you picked the live version like I said I was like right well I'm gonna listen to like the album version as well just so that I can see what you what extra you get from this version and to be fair they've kept it really close to the original mm. there's an energy and an element of it being rough around the edges that just gives it that little bit more push, more authenticity, maybe. Let me let me tell you something. If you get the chance to go and see Nick Cave, go and see Nick Cave, because it is like a fucking religious experience, right? I am not kidding. It is like he holds court. Like, I've seen him multiple times, and it's like you cannot take your eyes off the man it is it is an absolutely incredible beautiful experience um whether you like him or not whether you're familiar with his work or not you will you will come out of there like changed for the better like seriously like go and see nick nick is an amazing performer an artist and the something in that show will speak to you okay so what is it about this track um, it, it's I've seen I've seen Nick play multiple times. Um, I've weirdly, over the past few years, become friends with him. Holy um, shit! Yeah, um, uh, we did a collab board when I was the art director at Baker, and I reached out to his sort of people, well, friends of mine who I was at art school with, who did um, videos for him. And right. they were like, here's Nick's email. And I was like, I'm emailing Nick Cave. <laughs> um, and then um, I have a board on my wall that he signed. And, you know, he, whenever he came to LA, we'd, we'd get dinner. And it was like, it's it's so funny that we're, we're kind of friends now. Um, but um, this track in particular is, I mean, you know, you can pick, you can pick 
any decade or any any album you could pick a track that would be really great and a beautiful thing and resonate with you know so well but this track was like shortly after we me and my family had met nick and this album had just come out and it was it's 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 a new album but it's really one of i feel like it's one of his best piece best pieces of work um the album's pushed the sky away um and it's it's new nick cave but it's like it's beautiful and it's it's i don't know it's just a really really strong record and i think in people will look back on this and it will be one of the strongest of his entire career even though it wasn't like one of the early sort of stripped down ones from the like late 80s and 90s you know it's it's one that was made in like 2012 or something mm-hmm. um so but i think it's really i think it's a really important piece of work for him um and it, it just showed yeah every track on the album's fantastic um i chose jubilee street and i chose the live version of the sydney opera house because i feel like that listening to that version um is the closest thing you're going to get to one of his shows where you feel the the build you know you feel the energy in the room building and it's quite an incredible thing i was going to say because i saw a similarity between this and your first track from woo life in that it yeah. it, it builds up and it gathers in pace to this kind of crescendo mm. and i i Maybe, I, I didn't know if that's maybe some of the reasons that, that both tracks ended up there. There seemed to be like a, a preference for, for tracks that build. Yeah, I, I, I am a fan of it. Nick's a master at it. Woo Life will tell you that they are huge fans of Nick Cave and inspired by him. Um, so, yeah, it's there's not really a surprise there. And that's a good point. So moving on from Nick Cave, who are we listening to now? We are listening to somebody that actually supported Nick Cave, or maybe the other way around, on, a, on some shows in the 80s, I think. Um, Screaming Jay Hawkins. Now, I wasn't aware of Screaming Jay Hawkins, but when I was searching for the track to add it to the mixtape the other day, I happened upon other tracks going, oh, no, I've, I've heard that one. Definitely heard you that heard one. I put a spell on you. Yeah, definitely. Oh, it's been in like every movie in the past ten years. Like, it's it's they put it on so many movies, and then and then Nick Nick Cave had a really funny story where he was on a plane and he got sat next to Screaming Jay because they were flying out to this show, and Screaming Jay was listing off all the people that had done covers of his song. Of, 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 of I put a spell on you. What? And like, he, oh, this guy did a cover of it, and then this guy. And I don't think I think he was stiffed on the royalties. I don't think he got royalties on any of that. Oh stuff. no way! Yeah, he was. He was 
working for a really shady record label at the time and it was like kind of mafia run i think and there was a lot of shady shit going on and um yeah i don't i don't think he ever really achieved the success that he should have yeah there's a whole there's a whole movement at certain periods in music and and still to this day where publishing is kind of swept under the carpet like, oh no don't worry don't worry about that because that's yeah. what's making the real money of the back oh, end yeah, it is. yeah. And, and, and that's that's one of the reasons it's so good seeing technology enabling people to do their own thing and put their own material out because they retain a bit more control it's harder to get the exposure to sort of break through but when they yeah, do sure. they're mm. uh, they're they're more fairly paid for their work which is which is what you want my uh, stepdaughter's um, dad and uh, stepmom actually work in the um, music licensing industry in, in Los Angeles. So they license a lot of the, the movies and, and the TV shows and stuff. And I'm always emailing them going, hey, check this band, check these guys, check these guys. And she, she actually used one of my friends who was formerly Wu Life um, and they, they got used in a track on Netflix and that paid their rent for like a year. Amazing. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's so really I'm good. always, I'm always kind of pushing them. I'm like, what about this band? You should, you should hear this band. I'm working with them on some skateboard stuff. And they're like, they're like, oh, thanks for sending that, you know, and some of it gets used. So that's nice. Amazing. So this track is? This track is a uh, cover of a Tom Waits song. It's uh, Whistling Past the Graveyard. You see me sleeping out by the railroad tracks. Ask the Prince of Darkness about the smoke from the stack. Sometimes I kill a jackal and suck out all the blood. Steal myself a station wagon, driving it to the mine. A whistling past the graveyard, stepping on a crack. I'm a mean mother hubble, papa, one-eyed jack. I know you've seen my headlight and the honking of my horn. I'm calling out my bloodhounds, chase the devil out the corn. Last night I cracked the Mississippi, and now it's dry as a bone. I was born in a taxi cab, I ain't never going home. Whistling past the graveyard, stepping on a crack. That's right, because I was searching for the song title and Tom Waits came up, and I was just like, yeah. is he pulling a fast one? Is he trying to get the same artist on twice? <laughs> All right, so moving on from Screaming Jay Hawkins, yes. we we get to what I think is my favourite song from your mixtape. Oh, wow, okay. Talk to me of Albion, of Anderton, and of Ah, of the Arndale. Like I'd never, I'd never heard of them before, right. and the the track started, and I love the music behind it, but the vocal is essentially kind of spoken word, and I was just like, what is this, and how do I get more of it? Yeah, there is there is a remix, um, by Andy Weatherall, I believe. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, um, but this one is by Mike Gary. Um, it's a very interesting one because he's a, to my understanding, he's a Mancunian poet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I have to tell the I have to tell the song a little bit because it's the only piece of work that I think he uh, 
he, he's done that made it into the form of a song. Okay. So it's a the song is a um, it's a tribute to uh, Tony Wilson, the uh, Manchester music producer uh, who started Factory Records and signed Joy Division and you know a bunch of other bands and, and, and really sort of was an advocate for uh, the Manchester music scene. Um, and uh, Mike Gary's uh, poem, like spoken word piece, um, and this is set to a New Order, I believe, song. And um, yeah, it's called St. Anthony, and it's just a really, really touching tribute to, to the man, um, Tony Wilson, who, who did had a lot, a, a huge role in the uh, Manchester music scene. It's an absolutely astonishingly beautiful piece of music it really is and it's one of the songs i'll come into my office in the morning and that's usually one of the first songs i'll play you know i'll play the miles davis like kind of blue or i'll play play that you know it's just um being from there as well you you sort of it resonates a lot of the stuff that he says you're just like oh yeah oh okay yeah yeah um and it just it just really sets me up for having a good day really well yeah because i I mean like anyone who's got any kind of awareness of the manchester sort of music scene and and the the sort of cultures that bubbled up around these different movements and different bands you can't not listen to this track and get pulled into it and feel a sense of nostalgia for for all of it like I, I, I regularly sort of work in Manchester. Um, we've got we've got a, an office up there, so like I quite often spend time over there and walking around. I love the city, and this, uh, yeah, this track just like I would be. I've got I've got Mancunian friends in mind that I almost want to go. Have you heard this? Yeah. If there's, if there's any chance that they haven't heard this for for whatever reason, it's like you need to hear this piece of music. Yeah, I've shared it with multiple people. I'm like, make sure that you've heard this. And then people are like, that's incredible and beautiful and like really, a really, really, really great song. Tony talks to me of the sex pistols of substance streets, the sounds, the sniffed and snorted, stolen, swigged, multi-million pounds. So, moving on from Mike Gary and Joe Duddle. Yeah. This is another this is another sort of new one on me. I'd I'd seen the name of yeah. the band. Yeah. But I hadn't really given any time to to listening to the material. And I really enjoyed this track. <laughs> Glad. Um Viagra Boys. There's a friend of mine that's on the like the the UK comedy circuit that I gig with sometimes, and he's he's a great source of uh, of new music because he'll quite often get the the records as soon as they come out and post pictures of them on Instagram. And I've seen him post uh, an album by Viagra Boys, and so like he turned me on to quite a, a few sort of recent bands that have got kind of an older punk influence sound you know like uh, Fontaine's DC love them saw um, them a couple of years ago they're great yeah and they supported I, Idols Idols as well Idols is yeah. another uh, band that I sort of picked up on because he posted about them they were a great uh, band. They were really fucking good. And they are really cool about... They were cool about letting us use a song in the same video as we use this Viagra Boy song. Oh, amazing. 
So, yeah, uh, Earth Goblin, which I, you know, it's funny, you know, we talk about Life Antarctica, we've talked about it multiple times, and I made a video uh, in 2020, and it was called Earth Goblin, and it was the closest thing, I think, to Life of Antarctica. It was it was almost like a follow-on or something. Like the music, the like the feel of it, like the, the editing, it, it felt more the closest video to Earth Goblin is Life of Antarctica, I think. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and Dead Dave got to use this song. Um, I got I it was funny, I we put this guy on and I was like, look, if you if you film a part We'll introduce you to the team and, you know, you'll, you'll be on the team and we'll announce you and then, you know, we'll, we'll take it from there. And he's like, great. So he was sending all this footage through and I had this song on the timeline and I was like, I want to use this. I kind of want to use this song. I had nothing else backed up. Like, I, I was just like, just want to use this song. This song is perfect. And the more footage came through, I was like, oh, I'll take that out. It's filmed at night. It's, it's kind of hard to see, whatever. You take take that out. You put a new song in. You put a new trick in. And, like, it, it, the whole thing just tightened up in such a way that it was just like, it wouldn't, the part wouldn't have even worked without that song. That song was integral to, to that video part, you know. Um, and uh, I reached out to them and I was like, hey, listen, like, you know, maybe I've got to pony up and give, give them some money or whatever. But they were just like, oh, no, you're cool. Like, we love the part. We love the skating. Like, I, we reached out to some friends who skate. They say you're, you're cool as fuck. So, like, they're like, yeah, you're good to go. And we, like, cleared the whole track and it was, like, really, really cool. Like, because I had nothing backed up. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you a story about idols. Um, I actually had an idol song, like, well, it, I had another song by Orville Peck, um, and I'd edited it to this one guy's part, and it was it was great. It was it was perfect. I was like, yeah, let's go. And I know people at Sub Pop, so I was like, oh, hey, listen, can you put me through to the right people? And I want to clear this song, and they were like. Yeah, okay, and I'd reached out to all those people and it was good to go. And then Sub Pop were like, yeah, we want a grand. And I was like, oh, that's not really in our budget. Like, you know, uh, I don't know if I could do that. Um, let me think about it. And then I was like, and then they, I was like, can we just, you know, use it? And then you can use it for promo or whatever. And they didn't get back to me, didn't get back to me. Video deadline was coming up and I was like, I got to come up with something else. And then I reached out to Idols people and they were like really cool. And like, mm -hmm. yeah, they're, they're down for you to use a song. And I was like, whoa, and uh, switched it out. We edited the whole part and could not be happier with the way that it came out with the Idol song on it. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, thanks so much for like including us in this video it was a really beautiful thing it was a really special thing to be a part of and we we're all honored and i sent them like boxes of like t-shirts and that we, that we brought the video out on vhs and the whole mm -hmm. thing so and they were just like really really stoked and i sent them like sign boards and the whole thing and they were like yeah no thanks so much amazing yeah it was a really nice sort of way to do it and uh it was the same with viagra boys like the manager came over to my house and 
you know, before the pandemic and we like hung out and talked about music for hours and like, you know, I'm still in touch with him and I'll send him like tracks that I like and he sends me stuff and it's 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 pretty rare. It's nice. Like I'm, I've kind of had a similar experience with doing the podcast in that I, I stay in touch with quite a few previous guests. Like if yeah. something comes up that makes me think of them, like or if someone picks a different song by by a the same artist that they picked I'll sometimes go oh or, or, or even I've had it a few times where the same song has come up yeah um, and go oh another guest picked your song kind of thing what so it's what were the ones uh Waterfall come up actually oh really so huh. um maybe they were in uh, Eastern Black Records at the same time as I was when that uh, song came well Waterfall was picked by the very first guest of mixtapes when I originally launched it in 2017. Wow. Uh, it's a, a Scottish comedian by the name of Andrew McBurney, who I think you would actually love because he is quite dark and melancholic in, in places, but with a real daft sense of humour. If I can find a bit of video... That sounds on... very Scottish. It sounds it sounds perfect. Yeah, honestly, um, I think I think you'd appreciate his, uh, his take on life. Um, but yeah, taste the music anyway. Well, oh, mate, amazing taste in music. Because um, like the, the the podcast back then kind of fell by the wayside, and then I relaunched it during the pandemic because there are no gigs for me to do. So, um, but yes, uh, yeah, that's come up a few times. Um, you, might, you, you can guarantee my mind go blank. I've had a few Stones tracks come up more than once. Gimme Shelters come up more than once, like in in, in close succession as well. Yeah. Um, I've had a couple of Oasis tracks crop up more than once. Uh, and then, and sometimes it's it's astonishing that tracks or artists haven't been put forward sooner. Like you would right. expect in like 50 something episodes, someone would have sort of picked certain artists earlier. But yes, it's, 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 it's weird the way it works out. Okay, so this is. This is Sports by Viagra Boys. Getting high in the morning Not answering calls Volleyball Beach ball Surfboard Baseball Sports That was my summer jam 2008-19 It's weird how you latch onto a track for oh, like... Yeah. A summer or a or, a, or a, a period of time like this is the one. I was like, I was like, playing it to my wife, and I was like, "What do you think of this?" And she's like, "That's not my summer jam." Three weeks later, it was her summer jam. Like, Amazing. It was just like she was singing along to it. Like, it's so good. It's such a good track. I, um, I did I did an episode with a comedian by the name Nick Helm. He's on TV quite a lot over here, and he does a lot of sort of musical influence stuff. And he picked a ridiculous Tom Jones track, like it's called the Brand New Mexican Puppeteer, and it's right. the most astonishingly weird theme of a song. But it's got this really sort of funky, optimistic, bouncy kind of rhythm to it. Uh, and I'll quite often play that of a morning just to put me in a in a good yeah. mood because it's just silly. Yeah. You need a bit of that. Okay, so who are we listening to now? Now we're listening to the Rolling Stones. So again, uh, they said they're an, they're an act that have 
come up quite a few times over the last year in particular. Yeah. But I don't think we've had this track yet, which surprises me because it's a bit of a, a tempo track for them, I think. I proposed to my wife at a Rolling Stones show. Oh, that's beautiful. And during the, at the start of this song. Oh, well played, sir. So I gotta play this one. Okay, so there's proper sentimental reasons. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. So had, was that the plan or did the moment just kind of strike you? No, that was the plan. That, yeah, that was the plan. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. What, so what was the venue? Um, it was the, um, what's it called? Staples Center. Okay. Yeah, it was the first time I'd ever seen them. She'd seen them a couple of times before. We loved her. We love them. Um, we got to the Staples Center and she's like, fuck, I've got a knife in my purse. She had a big, big fat knife. And I was like, okay, well, we're going to bury it outside and then we'll come back and get it. And like buried it in the dirt outside. <laughs> Went into Staples and saw the band and got got engaged and then, you know, we bury go. a weapon, go to see yeah. the Stones, propose, yeah. then dig up the murder weapon. Dig up the weapon, yeah. <laughs> Such a fucking peculiar kind of night. Yeah, That's no, amazing. I know, but it was a good one. Amazing. Here we are, eight years later. That was we got married eight years ago. So, so why this Stones track? It's her favourite song. Right. You know, so it's and oh, and here's a funny story about it. I grew up listening to um, like you know punk rock stuff and all, all that sort of like heavy metal and things. Mm -hmm. And Jane's Addiction were really big when I was when I was growing up, and they were one of the first live bands I ever saw. I saw them in Manchester at the Academy, 1991, I believe. Um, and I'd heard the Jane's Addiction version of this song before I heard the Rolling Stones version. Okay, so how Doesn't did it... Doesn't get played a lot on Radio Lancashire, this one. No, I can't imagine, but... Um, so how did you feel hearing the original after after the first version? Because sometimes <laughs> sometimes that's a little bit jarring because you know it from one place and all of a sudden you find out it's from another. Yeah, it can be jarring. But the funny thing is, my wife said the same thing. She was like, I had this Jane's Addiction record. And I thought that this was a Jane's Addiction song. And then we were both like, we were kind of laughing about it, that it was like, we both were like these kids and we thought that, you know, it was it was all original tracks by Jane's Addiction. And then you look on the liner notes and it's like, oh, by, by Jagger and, you know, whatever. And you're like, oh, okay, so that must be a cover. And then you hear the, you hear the Stones version and of course it's incredible. Amazing. Okay, you so this- You can't on that. So, so this is, Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones. Okay, so this next track. And this, as I said earlier, it quite often happens. Someone will pick a track and I'll think, I swear this has been used on a section somewhere. And I wish there was a website that that, that kind of did that function, that kind of encyclopedic sort of, who used this song on a skate like section? Shazam. Yeah, exactly like Shazam, but for skateboarders. Shazam it and it's like, Ethan Fowler skated it to, to this in art bars, you know? Yeah, that's, that's what I want. Just, you know, something specifically for skateboarders with dead brain cells. That's, that's what yeah. I want. 
Um, but then I, I had an inkling where I knew it from, and that's why I had to watch the DVD today. So uh, this track is by... This track is by Gua, the mighty Gua. I don't know anything about them. They're the best. I told you to go see Nick Cave. Go and see Gua if they ever come over. Okay. They're so much fun. Like, after you go and see a Gua show, you're just like, dude, like, you'll, you'll go and see a musician. You're like, these are just people playing music. It's not even that good. No one's had their head cut off. I haven't been covered in slime and blood. It's like, it's just not as fun as the Gua show. So what, a Gua show is like a sensory experience in terms of it's like... It's unbelievable. Yeah, they'll bring out like, oh, we brought the president, Donald Trump, and then they'll cut his head off and like be like, you're a little bitch, and like cut his head off. And like some guy will be like running around stage with like a sort of no head and like spraying blood over all the crowd. It's amazing. Holy shit, this sounds and incredible. Ever go to. It's like, what, it's, like, it's like going to a rock show come horror movie. Yeah, 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 it really is. And then you come out afterwards and you're completely covered in red dye. It's so fun. Uh, and, and then I don't know if you would even be mad if it stained your clothes because that's like a little sort of keepsake of the gig. Yeah, I've got a T-shirt that I, like, didn't wash, like, on purpose, you know. They're such a good band, though. Like, you listen to, like, Scumdogs of the Universe is such a good album. Like, every single track on that's really strong. Okay, so, and, and the reason I recognise the track is because you used it on your section for Live from Antarctica, and now we find out that it wasn't your first choice. It wasn't. I wanted to use Jockey Full of Bourbon by uh, Tom Waits, but my editor, Alan Glass, said, no, you have to skip to Guar. Do you know why Life from Antarctica is called Life from Antarctica? Uh, well, I, I, I figured it out while I was sort of Googling and, and YouTubing. So, like, I found, I think I found a video... On, like through Google that had the same titles, but you're gonna you're gonna explain exactly why. I am. There was a live Gua video. Gua, the band, they're from outer space, but they landed in us in Antarctica, and they always tell people they're from Antarctica, right? Um, and uh, they have a video, a live VHS called Life from Antarctica, right? So Alan Glass would come up to my house and we'd go out and get ready to go filming. And we were like, you wanna, you wanna watch a video? Like you wanna watch something to like get motivated to go skate? And we wouldn't watch, yeah, right. Or we wouldn't watch like any of these, like, you know, the classic videos. We would watch a live Gua video to get us juiced to go and skate. Amazing. Like uh, that right. was my, and, and then we were like, what about calling it live from Antarctica? That would be pretty funny. as like a homage to Gua. Oh man, and like, then, and, I, and like, you know, go back then, there's no way I would have realized that, you know. So, yeah. it's, so it, I guess it's a fun little kind of in joke for those in the know. Absolutely. So there you go. You and your listeners now know the, uh, the reason for that. And it's funny because Gua, like, through these, you know, through being alive for so long and like, you know, the, the contacts that you make. Um, my friend actually works for Guar now. What? Doing what? Yeah, yeah he does all the social media for me. Holy shit. That's and he's amazing. like, they're, all coming, they're coming to my house for Thanksgiving. You should come down and hang out with them. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, it's like, so <laughs> like, it's such a, it's such a trip. They're, they're such a great band. So this is? This is the Salamanizer by Gwar. 
You have come quite—it's you've come quite a, a long way, figuratively and geographically. Because, like, <laughs> yeah. like there's you know this this skate this punk rock skate kid who drew these kind of kooky drawings from Burry to you're now in California, right? Yeah, Los Angeles. Um, so it's just yeah, it's it's a it's kind of crazy the way things work out. So, oh I mean, yeah, tell me about it. I wake so, up every day going like what is going on you know i'm living in california in a mid-century house with my amazing wife and drawing monsters all day you know my dad said i'd never make a living drawing monsters and then after i started to make a living drawing drawing monsters on skateboards he was we laughed about that amazing yeah so what what was the what was the first thing that sort of took you over there work was oh uh altamont amazing yeah, I worked for, uh, I did I did a collab shoe for Soltech. I did an America mm-hmm. um, for heroin. And then I did an America for like my sort of art side of things, the FOSS side of things, uh, which was a slip-on. And that did really well. That was like the third best-selling shoe that year. And it was when, like before Nike and Adidas and all these companies were in, in the shoe game. So mm. we sold a lot of those shoes. Um, and that was like 2008, I think. Um, so that did really well. And then they were like, "We, Andrew Reynolds is starting a new clothing company. And I was like, oh, geez, the last thing we need is another like, clothing company. Mm-hmm. Right? And they were like, yeah, we want you to pitch you some stuff. Like, we want you to pitch some like graphic ideas. And I was like, I don't know. Like, Oh, yeah, the America thing was good, but then like I pitched a bunch of stuff for like Etnies in America and they didn't pick up any of it. They were right. just like, I was like, I spent three days pitching stuff last time and it was like, you didn't even use any of it, so I'm probably going to pass. And they were like, no, no, we really, really want you to like pitch. And I was like, well, like, what's up? And they were like, well, we'll give you like, if you come up with like 10 logos, we'll give you like $1,500. And I was like, okay yeah i can do that so i came up with like 10 different logos for them like ideas and they were like we want you to work on this one and they were like we'll pay you more and i'm like okay and i and then then they were like right we want we want to use this one and we want you to be the brand director and i was like fuck okay like you know living in new cross and just like and they were like we want you to move to california and i was like nah fuck no like because i'd been and like they're they're um where their uh, offices are in Orange County and it's just so devoid of any kind of culture. You know, I, I could like, I could go out of my house in Newcross, get on a train, be at London, be at the Tate Britain, no, the Tate Modern in like 15 minutes, mm. you know. And, the, you know, you get to see a Warhol show, you get to see a Rauschenberg show, you get to see like, you know, a Basquiat show there or something, you know, a Hopper show. And it was like, it was so great and then orange county it's just like it's so it's not really what i where i was at with in my life at that point so i was just like nah i'm gonna pass on moving out there and they were like well we want you to be the art director so you can do it from like your house and i was like okay and then they'd like be like we need an ad for thrasher i was like send the photo they'd email me the photo I'd stay up like till like three in the morning, like mocking it up, like, hey, there you go, that's your ad. And they were like, cool, okay. So that was how I worked for them for a long time. And then down the line, um, 
I ended up, me and my girlfriend ended up breaking up and then I was just like, maybe I will move to California. Like, like, and I'd spent a lot of time in LA. I was going to LA a lot. And I was like, yeah, maybe I, maybe I will give it a go. I called them up and I was like, you still want me to move out there? Cause I could probably live in LA, probably not Orange County. And they're like, yeah, we're down. Like we'll get you a work visa. So I got a work visa, like three year work visa. Amazing. Yeah. And you've been there ever since? I've been there ever since. Yeah, uh, met my wife two weeks into moving here. Met her, and then Leah asked her to marry me at the Rolling Stones show, and then we've been married for eight years. Right, and, and regularly retreat into the cabin. Yes, yeah, going up to the cabin when we can. It's nice. It, Might go next week. The the, uh, the whole sort of cabin series of artwork that you did on the boards was so beautifully done but quite a departure from like the normal kind of heroin aesthetic. Yeah, well, here's the funny thing. I pitched that series to two other brands because I wasn't sure that it worked for heroin. Okay. Because I was like, it's kind of a departure. Like I've got these going on and these are, you know, this is like a cartoon thing or whatever. So maybe it doesn't work. So I pitched it to Girl and Element. Okay. Both of them passed on it, right? And then I was like, fuck it. I'm gonna use it if you if you put a cabin, a drawing of a cabin, and then write it's all weird and dark and obscured, and you write Dear Man of Dark Woods on the thing, it gives it a sort of sinister aspect to it. You're like, what's yeah. going on in that cabin? Like there's a narrative. Boards have to have a narrative. And it's like, what is going on in there? Like, is there anybody in there? Is it vacant? Is it like it's like that's on white song. What's he building in there? You know, it's like we have a right to know. You know, you it, it piques your curiosity almost. So that was my narrative for that board. And then in my mind that worked. And then I could bring other cabin boards into it. And then it did really good. And we we got somebody, some website announced that we were the best, like in the top ten graphics of that year or something. Which oh, was amazing. Nice. Yeah. So you kind of talked yourself into doing the the kind of art project of the of the cabin series. Yeah, well, I I was just drawing cabins for fun, to be honest. I was like, I was going up there, and me and my wife had gone these big walks around the the town. I'd be like, oh, that one's really cute, and we'd shoot a photo, and I'd go back to the cabin, and sort of sketch it out, just just for fun, just to, to keep honing the craft, you know, um, and then. Uh, I was like, oh man, maybe this would work for a board series. And it did. Have you ever given one to like the owners as a sort of surprise? Like, oh, by the way, I just drew your house. Oh, I got, no, but I got, because um, I kept them all. There were, I have a one sketchbook with them all in. It's called Cabin Sketches, it says on it. And uh, so this it's sort of a timeline of me, sort of, of my drawings from the very, very rough first ones up until the quite detailed final ones. But um, people have commissioned me. Like people, a lot of the time are like, "Hey, we want you to draw a cabin." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, well, we can do that." Amazing. Um, my friend Justin Regan, who was the team manager for Altamont and America for a long time, and the brand manager, um, he bought a cabin in my same town, and so I, as a, a housewarming gift, I drew his cabin, and that's one of my favourite ones that I've drawn actually. Oh, that's beautiful. That's a lovely yeah, thing to do. It's it's a it's one of our favourite cabins in that town. We were just like me and Jen are like, oh, if that ever goes for sale, we're gonna buy it. And then he ended up buying it, so we were like, oh, we don't have to. Buy it. 
Okay. So moving on from Guar, we find ourselves at your final track. Now, I think a fair few people might listen to this episode who already have an awareness of who you are and what you do. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to have to backtrack into the intro and explain how, why this is such a sort of skateboard-heavy, kind of geeky episode. But uh, for the benefit of anyone who's discovering you for the first time, where's the best place to find out about who you are and what you do? Uh, maybe Instagram? Okay. Like Oz Graphics or Heroin Skateboards? Oh, actually, you've had quite the time of it with Instagram just just recently. Oh, man, what a ball. Like, yeah, I can't believe I'm even, like, promoting that platform. Oh, yeah, so, 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 I mean, yeah, for the benefit of anyone who's not aware, you, you, you know, you, you had an Instagram account for your skateboard brand, Heroin Skateboards. Yeah. Yeah. And out of the blue, it just disappeared, right? Out of the blue. No communication? I got, a, I got a thing that just said, we've disabled your account. Like, and I was like, well, why? And I was like, sent them a thing. I was like, here's all my login details. Like, like, why did you send, why did you disable it? Nothing. And then it's like, it's, it's, I got an email that said like, oh, it sort of, it was really vague. It was really like, it, violates our terms and conditions and I was like no it doesn't like nothing I've posted violates any terms and conditions all the music I've posted like is cleared like with the the bands mm-hmm. like and the and the record labels like there's nothing that I posted that's like that's like sketchy or it's all promoting skateboarding it's nothing to do it's called heroin skateboards but it's not promoting druggies and I and I was just like oh, fuck this and I I ended up like starting another account instead heroin underscore skateboards and then and then um that got that also got uh disabled right and i feel like it was an algorithm i feel like it was a like a sweeping thing that they ran that was like we're gonna we're gonna take out any like drug reference stuff like we're, we're gonna pull it up so i got pulled up on that um, and then I started one called H Skateboards, and I was like, "This is my secret account, and if anything goes wrong, like you can refer to here." Mm-hmm. Okay. So all of a sudden, and I was like, "This is bullshit!" Like I've got five thousand posts. I've been running this for ten years, like on Instagram. Um, like there's no reason for this. So I wrote them an email. I was like, "This is bullshit." I was like, "Look, it's an if anything, it's an anti-drugs skateboard brand." Yeah. Like, like here's a board. We make boards that say "fuck drugs, let's skate" and T-shirts. You know, it's like it promotes skateboarding. It's only promoting skateboarding. Like, you have no right to do this. Like, this is bullshit. I've had this for ten years. I have. I lost eighty-two thousand followers and five thousand like posts. Like, not to mention all the conversations and stuff. And then all of a sudden, three days later, it was back up. And I didn't get an email about it. There was no communication. It was just like backup. And I was like, oh. It's so, bizarre. It was bizarre watching it unfold because you, the second oh. page you started got, what, 8,000 followers in like literally days. Yeah. And and the same thing for the third incarnation of it. And yeah. then I I I saw, I, it's weird, I saw the Instagram account on Twitter, which is a weird sentence in itself, and they were promoting skateboarding to do with the olympics coming up and i was like so you want to talk about skateboarding but you want to completely sort of erase a, an important part of skate culture from the uk like what 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 are you what's your angle what, what why you know i don't understand 
of course you never get a reply to that kind of thing but like no. I, I was i was so stoked when i saw that it was back up yeah thanks man it was funny because i was like I could either like stress about it or I can like really not worry too much, you know? And it was like, I was just like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna like carry on. Like it happened on a Sunday night, the Monday, that Monday afterwards, like the first, this is when the first one got disabled. It happened on a Sunday night and I was like, huh, that's weird. Okay. Like, and then that Monday was my wedding anniversary and we were going to Palm Springs and I was like, I can either stress about it and like, you know, go online and be like, Instagram's bullshit or whatever. Or I could just like enjoy my time in by the pool. So I'm just gonna do that. I'm not gonna worry about Instagram. Might even not bring my phone out. So, you know, that was nice. I sort of wasn't too worried about it when the first thing went down. Then a few days after I got back, I started the new thing. And then when the new thing went down, I think I was at my cabin for a week. So I was just like, not even gonna worry about that either, you know? Like, just gonna take it all as it as it comes. And then, you know, thankfully we got the, the first one back, which is nice. Absolutely nuts. All right, well, we'll make sure that we tag your accounts, both, you know, your your art page and the Heroin Skateboards page in the, in the show notes, and we'll sure. make sure that they're all, all linked to that. Well, what what um, what um, platforms do you use? Is it mainly Instagram or mainly Instagram? Um, I mainly use Twitter to complain to supermarkets when they fuck up my shopping. Um, yeah. I'm useless at Twitter. I should be more proactive, but worried. I don't understand it for the life of me. But like, I, I've I've had I had like a bit of a burnout on Instagram like recently, where like because I, I make this collage every week which is basically overlapping album covers of all the selected artists and it it makes one big image on the feed yeah. and so basically I would I would create all the posts on Sunday night and then sort of post them and when my day job started ramping up again and I'm producing the podcast I'm you know recording them I'm editing them on Sunday evenings to for them to come out on Monday morning I just got a little bit burnt out on the promotional side of it and I kind of realized I had to give myself a bit of a break because a lot of the podcasts I look up to there's a team there are more there's more than one person you know that are taking certain tasks and I've been doing it all all on my own um but and I thing is you get I I get caught up in the bullshit of trying to in, increase the sort of followers but yeah. I'm really not sure how much of that converts into people consuming the podcast so i don't know whether i'm flogging a dead horse but you can't you can't do nothing you've got mm. to do something to sort of put put the the name out there because i mean i would i would love it if uh, i would love it if i could pay the bills by talking about music and telling jokes but yeah. you know i'm nowhere near that yet so i guess you've you've got to be proactive promoting it somewhere yeah uh and there's there's loads of positives that come out of things like social media but like some at the same time you feel kind of ashamed by how plugged into it you are sometimes that's why it was nice when the whole thing went down for instagram for me i was just like maybe i don't give a fuck about this you know like uh, yeah sure it's it, but i really miss engaging with the people that like my brand you yeah. know people that people that are like real fans of heroin skateboards and buy our boards and like 
believe in the riders and really think it's like sort of a a change from everything else in skateboarding. I, I really identify with them and I really like communicating with everybody. And that was what I'd miss, I think, if, if the whole Instagram thing went down. It's, um, I think it's healthy to take regular breaks. I think that's what yeah. people kind of forget. So we've we've listened to Guar and we've yeah. talked about social and media. And we survived. We've listened we've, to Guar and we survived. What track are we ending on? We are going to end on Arthur J. Reptilian. Now, I, I did think there were elements of your mixtape that had a slightly kind of B-movie-esque kind of tone to some of the music. Yeah. And this is definitely that. Yeah. I like this one. I think it's a great one to end on. I, well, I mean, like, I, it was... Uh, I got so swept up in the Mike Gary track... I thought yeah. that would be a good ender, just because it's maybe a little bit more wistful, but this has yeah. such a sense of humour about it. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it can, it, it, it's, it's a very Foz pick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, here's the thing. This artist is actually one of my riders. Okay. Um, uh, Stephen Maller. I met him at a Death Skateboards demo, and he was 11 years old in uh, Norwich. Um, and he was there with his mum and we were like chatting and then he ended up like becoming a heroin fan and sending me like sending me like models that he'd made and like postcards and drawings and stuff for years and then um, he had a photo and he was he was like 50 fit he was he got really good at skateboarding and he was like 50 50 in like a 39 stair rail in Paris and I'm just like what are you doing? He's, he does it in um, in Video Nasty. Okay. Like, it's gnarly. It's a really gnarly, like, handrail that he 50-50s. Um, and, but he's great. He's like, he, he can ollie over, like, this bench that I'm at right now. He's like, he's got this huge pop and, like, really good style. And, um, yeah, he skates, uh, he skates in Paris and um, he makes music the rest of the time. Yeah, so he, uh, yeah, he makes this, and he's he makes um, music under this other uh, name as well called Paint Boys, and their records are really fun and just like the whole album is like 15 minutes long. It's like it's like all what one and a half minute long songs, and you just like this is great. This is really fun and weird, and he just makes it with his mate in his bedroom, and it's it's just really good stuff. Like. And if ever I need like music stuff, I'm like, hey, we need a track, electronic for like this edit, whatever. He's just like, yeah, I got that. He'll just like throw something together. He's great. He's such a rad human being. Amazing. Okay, so this track is? This is Dracula by Arthur J. Reptilian. Amazing. Okay, Foz, man, you have made my day coming oh, on this. Good, it's It's been really, really enjoyable catching up and going on all these little digressions and uh I, you know i'm just really grateful for you coming on man oh yeah my pleasure it was uh, it was a blast So that concludes this week's episode and what an episode it was. I am so pleased with how this came out 
and I'm really tremendously grateful to Foz for being so generous with his time. I've had quite a few people ask me about this episode, so if you'd like to see the raw, unedited video of the entire conversation and all its digressions, you can find that on my Patreon by clicking the link in the show notes, which is one way you can support the podcast in return for some bonus content that isn't released publicly. As always, we've kept the music discussed played below the conversation because I believe that all musicians should be paid for what they do. So if you want to listen to Foz's mixtape in full, you can find it on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. But for now, I'll see you next week for another episode of Mixtapes with Mike.